You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. Today we are talking Brewers baseball, and we bring in Adam McAlvey of MLB.com because, of course, he covers the Brewers for us here. Adam, I know there are a lot of moves still kind of uh, out there to be made potentially for a lot of teams, honestly, but Brewers are still looking for some starting pitching. What's the latest on that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, they're in this really interesting phase now where the GM came out in a newspaper article the other day and said, basically a, a version of we like our team, we're going to sit back and if there's an opportunity that makes sense, we'll go for it. Otherwise, we'll go with what we've got. Obviously, a GM is going to say that. It makes no sense for anybody running a team's baseball operations to say, you know, wow, we desperately need one more pitcher. Yeah, that does not put him in a very good bargaining position for uh, with, with the agents of, of free agents or in terms of trade talks. So that's, of course, what he's saying. But then they continue to be linked to basically everybody out there. Remember their owner, Mark Atanasio, said uh, at the end of January that there's still money in the budget for any of the available pitchers. They have Jimmy Nelson sidelined for the start of the year. They have at least two sort of unspoken for positions in their rotation. And... You know, any of those top guys would look really good in, in a Milwaukee uniform and, and would make sense for them if they're willing to make that splash. The reporting today from our friend John Heyman was that, you know, there's been a lot of talk the last couple of days about the nine-figure offers sitting out there. Uh, well, Heyman confirmed today that the Brewers are responsible for one of those offers. They have a, a nine million or a, a nine-figure offer to you, Darvish. Um, the biggest free agent contract in Brewers history happened this winter. It was Lorenzo Cain. That was $80 million. So any nine-figure offer would break a record. Um, it would be really interesting if it went to a pitcher, given the Brewers' history in that area. And then um, our other friend, uh, Derek Gould, in Cardinals camp, caught up with Lance Lynn. is still a free agent. Popped by to visit uh, some friends. And uh, he still kind of patiently waits out there. And, and Derek reports, I think we, we basically knew this, that the Brewers are still on Lance Lynn as well. So, um, it's sort of a, this interesting standoff. The Brewers have need. They have money. It's just a matter of, to, to me at least, it's a matter of who is that money going to go to. I, I continue to be saying that I will be flabbergasted if they don't add one more notable starting pitcher given these factors that they have a need, that they have the money, and they're in a, a kind of aggressive position now. Adam, I was talking to our mutual friend, Richard Justice, today and asking him what the deciding factor is going to be for you, Darvish, in you know, where he ultimately ends up. And he said a lot of it has to do with comfort. So if you yep. are talking to you, Darvish, or you, Darvish's camp, how do you sell them on being comfortable coming to the Brewers? Well, I, now, I have, I have no idea if they've thought to do this or if it's possible, but Nori Aoki has left Major League Baseball now, and he's gone back to Japan. He is the most recent example of a player coming from Japan, when the Brewers won his, his posting, it was a total surprise. The Brewers were not, they did not have, for years, have a scout in Asia. Um, so they were not big on that market. But Aoki came here. He had a couple of good seasons at Miller Park. I think he liked it here. I think he felt very comfortable in this environment. The, the you know, that's one factor, I guess, that there's a player from Japan, who has come here and, and made it work and, and found a place that he liked. The other thing is just from a purely baseball point of view, um, Miller Park's a really good place to play. I think that the reputation it had as a real launching pad has tempered a little bit with the rise of, of analytics. It's actually a, a, a pretty neutral, but it definitely leans towards hitters, 
but it's a reasonably neutral ballpark. Uh, you have April and September where you're playing in climate control. You don't have to deal with rainouts, which is big for a pitcher. You don't have to deal with the threat of rainout, which is big for a pitcher. Um, just from a comfort, a, a day-to-day comfort point of view, it's a pretty good place to play, and they've sold that to free agents for, for many years. But because the Brewers haven't been players for a lot of these big-time high-end guys, I'm not certain that that word has really gotten out there. It's been kind of the middle-tier players who've come here and, you know, Jeff Supon and, and discovered, oh, this is a pretty good place to play. So I think over time they hope that that word gets out there a little bit more. Um, and look, they have a competitive team. That is, I think that counts toward comfort. You hope to sign if you're a free agent and you get one shot to sign a, a big long-term deal. You want to play in a place that is going to be that has a chance to be competitive for a while. And the Brewers, I think, right now with the youth that they have, these moves that they made for Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, those are both guys uh, under contract for the next five years. You think you're going to be a competitive club for the next couple of seasons. Um, I think all those factors are things that they would sell to you, Darvish. Yeah, a competitive club in a competitive division. And uh, one of the things that the Brewers are doing that they announced recently, which I thought was really interesting, is they're giving Wisconsin residents first shots at tickets for home games against the Cubs. What is this all about, Adam? Yeah, this goes way, way back, Alexa. Uh, Miller Park, when the Brewers play the Cubs, and especially when the Brewers have been at the down side of their competitive cycle, shall we say, it becomes Wrigley Park North, and it gets packed with Cubs fans. Um, maybe it's 50-50. There, there are many games, and there were last season when the two teams were really going at each other, uh, the Brewers unexpectedly, um, where it felt like there were way more Cubs fans than Brewers fans. I'm not sure like, if we counted the numbers, if that's the case, but it sounded that way. And it has forever been a big-time point of annoyance for the front office, for some of the business executives for the Brewers. The players, I don't know. If they're annoyed about it, they do a really good job of selling that it's no big deal. They, I think some of them enjoy the supercharged atmosphere. Uh, the Brewers and Cubs met last September with sort of the division on the line, and it was certainly pro-Cubs. Um, I think the players kind of enjoy that. Um, so it, to me, it's more of an it, where the front office really gets irritated and they think, how do we get more Brewers fans in the house? Well, this has been talked about forever, but what they're going to try is doing a pre-sale um, for about a week or so. Of You have to have a Wisconsin address in order to buy tickets. Now, there's Cubs fans that live in Wisconsin. The southern border is right there, right down the road, and there's tons of Cubs fans that live just on the Wisconsin side of the border. They're going to be able to buy these tickets. And there's nothing to stop Brewers fans from putting these on the secondary market. And Craig Council actually addressed this. And he said, look, I don't blame them. I mean, you sell, you sell one ticket and you use that money to go to five games. So he said he's fine with that. Um, go ahead. It's capitalism. Go ahead and do it. He's never been bothered by it. We'll see if this has an impact. Um, I think, you know, again, that the timing of it, of where the team is at, is going to play a role as well. I, I would have been surprised if it were overwhelmingly Cubs next year had they kept it the way it was because the Brewers are just a better team. I think they're expected to do more, and I think there's going to be more local fans in the house for these games next season. But, look, we'll see. It's an interesting idea, something uh, to add to the list of little, uh, little, little things between these two teams that are making this into an interesting rivalry again. 
Well, of course. And I think a lot of front offices around the league will tell you that big splashes in free agency will definitely put butts in seats. So hopefully yeah. that's uh, the case for the Brewers this season as they try and make themselves a little bit more competitive in that division. What do you think overall is the vision for this team right now from the GM and front office perspective and what they're trying to accomplish you know, right now, the immediate future uh, for spring training and in, into the season? Well, look, Alexa, I think the vision was made clear when they acquired in that, that same day Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich. It's, we think we can compete in 2018. Um, I'm not certain that that was totally obvious before they made those kind of back-to-back deals. They were a surprise team last season. Um, they were ahead of schedule in this long-term rebuild that David Stearns has been orchestrating. And the question going into the winter and then really leading up to that day uh, when they made those deals was, is it time to strike now and make some splashy moves, some splashy additions? Or is it better to wait one more year, let these players develop, see you know, what's real and what was a one-year blip last season, um, and then go for it in that big, huge 2018-2019 class of free agents? And we didn't know the answer. We did not know where David Stern stood on that question for a lot of this offseason. I think that trades for Kane and Yelich answered it um, that they think they can win now. The, the caveat to that is, again, like I said, those guys are signed for five years apiece. So this is not necessarily like a, a win now or bust type of uh, move. It's more of a win now and win later. So it's somewhere in between, but it does, I think, tell you pretty definitively that they feel like they are ready to compete. The division, much of the division is sort of down right now. Um, the Cardinals being kind of maybe in the middle, the Cubs are still very good. But the Brewers feel like with the division where it is, with the rest of the National League looking the way it looks, this is an opportunity to strike and sort of go for it. So I think their vision is postseason. And I, I think maybe uh, we're going into 2017. It was maybe postseason in 2020. I think now they're thinking postseason is very possible in 2018. Absolutely, and they and they should based on their finish last year. All right, let's take a crack at predicting the twenty-five man roster. Oh, don't and make me. we're gonna, <laughs> well, we're going to take a shot at predicting it right now. And you know, tons can change, but that's kind of the beauty of this because we can predict it now and then look back at the end of spring training and say, "Wow, a lot has changed," or "Man, they really had it set going into spring training." So let's start with the rotation as is. Obviously, things can change, uh, but let's start with the rotation in the bullpen and see what we got. Yeah, so look, things can change, and I think that's going to be the issue with every team. And I'm really interested to see how my colleagues pull this exercise off because <laughs> I, I doubt there are many teams right now where you can look and, and see what the team's going to look like. Normally it's a spots at the end of the bullpen, spots at the end of the bench, and pretty much beyond that, a rotation spot or two, but pretty much you can guess the team. This year it's really tough. So in the rotation, since this is what you asked me, I had to get my uh, big uh, – my big uh, caveat out of the way first. <laughs> There's three spots spoken for. Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, Jolie Chassin. Um, Jimmy Nelson will be back sometime in the first half, but he will not be there at the beginning. So they've got two more spots they need to fill. And I'm just going to go with Brandon Woodruff, uh, who broke into the big leagues last year, one of their pitching prospects, and Brent Suter, a lefty who has never been a pitching prospect because he doesn't throw hard or have tremendous stuff. All he does is get out. Um, he was sort of a swing man for them last year. When Craig Council was asked about his rotation at the Brewers Fan Fest, he mentioned those three guys as sort of in. And then he rattled off uh, five or so pitchers who are in this group kind of on equal footing. 
but he said Woodruff and Suter first. So that's what I'm going with for now. So the guy, the other guys, it's Giovanni Gallardo is one. Um, Junior Guerra, their opening day pitcher last year, is one. Uh, Aaron Wilkerson, a great a guy with a great backstory, who was working in a supermarket, sort of was out of baseball, decided to get back in. Now he finds himself competing for a spot. These are other guys that they're going to look at. And again, I just I think we all need to keep in our minds that there is a I think better than fifty fifty chance that there's a name we're not talking about now that's going to be in this mix. All right, sounds good. And then how about for the bullpen? Uh, the bullpen, uh, David Stern's made two free agent additions in Boone Logan and Matt Albers, so you pencil them in. They've said Josh Hader uh, is going to be back in the bullpen. That was another one of those questions that sort of hung over this club all winter. Um, yes, they still need starting pitching, but they're going to stick with Hader in the bullpen. They think he's so valuable as a multi-inning guy. Obviously, they have Corey Knable, their all-star closer. He's back for his first full season in that role. And then they have two uh, pretty good righties, Jacob Barnes and Jeremy Jeffress. Jeffress came back last year after a little stint with the Rangers that didn't go well. He was promising with the Brewers. He's been the closer for the Brewers, had success here. So that's, I think, five spots that are pretty reasonably, or I'm sorry, six spots that are pretty reasonably locked up. I think they go with an eight-man bullpen because Craig Council is part of this new wave where once a starter gets third time through the order, you really start to think about going to the pen, and I think he'll go early and often again, like he did in the second half. So it's, you know, Giovanni Gallardo signed with this team. He's had a lot of success as a starter here in Milwaukee. He's going to compete for that, but he has a chance to be a long man. Guerra could end up being in that spot as a long man. And if you look at their non-roster guys, uh, J.J. Hoover is probably the most known quantity. Uh, he was with the Reds for many years, the D-backs last year, but the Brewers faced him a lot in Cincinnati and he's going to compete. So I'm more confident here about the number that they go with an eight-man pen than I am with the names, at least beyond that that top six. All right, yeah, a lot could change. So, uh, But again, that's why we do this exercise, Adam, because it is so interesting to see how it does change over spring training. It's kind of more of a, a litmus test type of a situation. Let's do uh, the infield. Let's start with catcher and go around the horn. Okay, catcher, I, I, I'm pretty confident that it's going to be Manny Pena and Steven Vogt again. Jet Bandy is a guy that the Brewers gave up a lot. Martin Maldonado, they gave up for him. And he went on and had a uh, won a gold glove for the Angels. Um, so Bandy will get a look, but I just have a hard time seeing how he, you know, fits, how he surpasses those other two guys without an injury. Um, I'll get back to first base at the end because that's the tough one. Second base, Platoon City right now with Jonathan Viard and Eric Sogard. That looks set. The left side of the infield looks very short up with Orlando Arcea, the young shortstop. Um, he had a nice uh, step forward season in terms of uh, offensive production last year. And so did Travis Shaw, the third baseman, came over from Boston and was the club MVP, 31 homers. He's locked in at third. First base is really interesting. Um, they have a good left-right platoon there in Eric Thames and Jesus Aguilar. Um, Aguilar is probably not a household name, but in limited duty last year, he was really good as a right-handed thumper against good left-handed pitchers or a, a righty that they felt it make sense. And Eric Thames, for all his ups and downs after that crazy April, he ended up, when you sit back and look at his numbers in, in some, he was really good. Top 25 in, in weighted runs created plus in the National League. That, is, that plays, um, barring a trade, I mean, he's going to be back at first base. But here comes Ryan Braun, and they have all these outfielders. They need to figure out a way to get at bats for the guys out there. And one of the ideas is to use Ryan Braun a little bit at first base. Remember, he came into the pros 
as an infielder at shortstop at, at the University of Miami, then played third for the Brewers for one year before getting to the outfield. So three guys, I think only there's two spots uh, for, for those three. And if Ryan Braun is going to play a bunch of first base, he's going to play some outfield too. It's not a permanent move. But if he's going to play any you know, meaningful amount of first base, I don't see how they can carry Jesus Aguilar because they think he's – they're not going to use him at other spots. They really think he's a first baseman. I, I just don't see how you keep him. So something is going to need to give in spring training at first base. That's one of the sort of positions I have circled that we're going to be, I think, writing and talking a lot about. All right, excellent. And then how about the outfield? Well, here's the crowd. So no one had the Brewers going after – uh, Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. Um, they were maybe linked to one or the other. Um, they signed both on the same day. You have Domingo Santana, who's 25 years old, hit 30 homers last year, really excellent on base guy. Um, not a great defender, but a good arm, and he hits a bunch. So you think, I mean, he's got to play. Um, Cain got $80 million. He's got to play. He's a great center fielder. Mm-hmm. Yelich is kind of one of the new cornerstones now it feels like of what they're trying to do over the next five years you figure he's going to play and but then you have ryan braun on top of that and then on top of that you have two young guys in keon broxton and brett phillips who had their moments last year phillips in, in particular was really excellent in september and is a superior defender who maybe has the best outfield arm in baseball if he plays every day so they have a ton of guys who can fill those spots and right now it is really tough to figure out how the breakdown of a bat is going to go. The, 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 um, the models are starting to come out now, Pakoda and, and whatnot. And I think they're having a hard time making projections for players on this roster because it's really hard to figure out how many at-bats each guy is going to be able to get. Uh, they say playing Ryan Braun some at first is going to help, but it just still looks to me like there is, there is another move to be made to ease that logjam a little bit, and we'll see uh, what it becomes uh, for, for David Stearns in spring training. It's going to be really hard to see all of those guys sticking with this organization as of opening day. But look, we'll see. It's been a weird offseason so far, and maybe they'll find a way to figure it out. It can always get weirder, Adam, I'm telling you. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely my you motto. Know, thing I know, Alexa, is Ryan Brown says he'll play first. He joked with us that he'll man second um, if they want him to go there. I do know the only thing I'm 100% certain of is he will not play third base. That was a one-year experiment that was not very fun for him. It did not go very well defensively. He's not going to give that a try again. So all that stuff I just said about the, the roster, is pro- most of it's probably wrong. But I will be right about one thing. Ryan Brown will not be the opening day third baseman. Yeah, I mean, it, although if I'm Eric Thames, I'm out to prove that I'm the everyday first baseman and, and ain't no room yeah. for Ryan Braun here. So that could well, be uh, – and, and that's that's competition. Even teams that have established players, competition can be very good within that roster. And that's kind of what Craig Council wants to set up, and the players all say they embrace it. Um, you know, we'll see whether – whether this crowd remains when we get toward the end of March. All right, sounds good. When are you headed down, Adam? The 13th. Excellent. So Tuesday, Tuesday, yeah. Perfect Valentine's Day celebration, heading down to uh, spring training. (laughs) Get a little, yeah, get a little vitamin D, and then they actually, they they have a couple games in Houston at the end of spring training and then open in San Diego. So the the traveling party is going to be away from home for quite a long while, but it's three pretty good places to be if you're going to, yeah, spend ab- the spring somewhere. 
Absolutely. All right, make sure you bring your sunblock and safe travels, Adam. Really appreciate you joining us. Next time we talk to you, it'll be from uh, a sunny location, so that'll be really awesome for you to be able to enjoy some of that sunshine. That's going to do it for us here on MLB.com Extras, our Brewers edition. We'll be back next week, like I said, from spring training with a very brand new episode, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Thanks, Adam, and safe travels. All right, see you, Alexa.